Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Uh, for that on today, listen, do me a favor real quickly. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. I believe that there's a word for our Lord and Savior as we continue in this series. My Father, we continue in this Father is on today. We want to uh, prepare to go before him in Psalms 23 on today. As you're finding it, just simply repeat after me. Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people set. Amen. Amen. Psalms 23 reads like this, a familiar passage of text. We talked about it on last week. It simply reads this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. For a moment today, I want to continue in this series entitled My Father Is, and simply uh, titled this message on today, My Father Is a Protector. My Father is a Protector. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. My Father is a Protector. Listen, we started this series off on last week, and we spent some time uh, understanding that our Father is, our Father, our Heavenly Father, is a provider. And we come to understand that the reason why many of us may struggle with establishing a relationship with God as a father figure within our lives is because many of us have failed to have a good example of what a father is. Don't feel bad. Don't look down on yourself. You're not the only one if you're here today that grew up in a household where there was no father or you grew up in a household where your father was incarcerated or you grew up in a household where your father was abusive. If you grew up in a household where your father was molested, that, that, that the reality is that so many of us have had a bad example if we did have a father in the house of what a father is. But the reality is also that not all of us had that example. Some of us had some great examples of what it means to be a father. I was one of the individuals that was fortunate to do so. And it's because of the fact that I had a father that tried his best, that did his best, is it makes it easier for me to look at God as a father because I know the character traits of a father. You cannot identify the positive traits of a father if you've never been exposed to those traits at all. And so some of us, it's hard for us to trust God as a father because we've never experienced 
experienced from our earthly father, what does it mean to be able to trust a father? What does it mean to be able to go and talk to a father about my problems and he fixes those problems for me? What does it mean for me to tell my father what it is that I need and he provides it for me? What does it mean to look for a father to hug and love on and he loves me? And so some of us, because we've never experienced it in the natural, we cannot even phantom it in the supernatural. And, and so as we look at it on today, as we go into the message and continue to, to look at what does it mean to understand that my father is a provider, my father is a protector, I want to help you understand despite whatever it's been that you went through in life, God is not that. God is greater than anything you've ever experienced before. And as a result of it, I want to give you the opportunity to really open up your arms and allow God to love you, to care for you in the manner that he desires to. Why? Because you're missing out on something great if you will never allow God to stand as your father. We looked in the text and we understood that David, we learned last week, the reason why David did not make reference to God possibly as his father through the text is because D David didn't have a good father. We, we knew that Jesse uh, overlooked him when it came time for him to be anointed. Jesse called him a runt. Jesse said he, he was smaller than everybody. He looked down. He didn't even think enough of David to tell him, listen, come so we can see if you're the one that's supposed to be anointed king. And so the only thing that David possibly knew that was a positive representation of his life is what does it mean to be a good shepherd? What does it mean to lay down your life for your sheep? What does it mean to care for them, to provide for them, to know the best for them, even when they don't know the best for themselves? And so David pencils this psalm. He writes it down and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. For a moment today, as we play with this text, if we look at this text, I want to spend time in, in Psalms 23, verse 4. Because last week we talked about God being our provider. Today I want to talk to you about how God, your heavenly father, wants to be your protector. And it's in that verse that I'll repeat it again. It simply uh, says these simple words, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Growing up, uh, I grew up in Pleasant Grove. My dad still stays in the house that we grew up in. We call the neighborhood, we call the street. Uh, even though it's PG, we call our street, our block, the cloud. Uh, we didn't call it Red Cloud because my neighborhood was full of Crips, and Crips don't like the color red for some reason. And so they would only call it the cloud. And I had a good friend of mine, uh, Terrence T.J. Malone. He stayed on a street called Bluff Creek. Now, on Bluff Creek, it was bloods on that street. Uh, and so the problem is that TJ was my best friend. He was a good friend of mine, and I wanted to hang out with my friend, but I was from the cloud. Even though I wasn't gang-affiliated, but because of the neighborhood that I was associated with, it became and posed a problem in my lifestyle sometimes. And so anytime I wanted to go hang out with my friend TJ, 
me and TJ had to meet up at the corner because I couldn't just walk down Bluff Creek by myself. Uh, even though I wasn't a game banger, it was because everybody knew you were from the cloud. It, if you was on somebody else's territory, it would be problems. So I would reach out to TJ and say, man, hey, I'm coming over. We would plan this. I don't know how we communicated. I didn't forgot time had passed because we didn't have phones back then. Uh, but somehow, TJ knew whether we talked at school or whatever, I was going to ride my bike over, I would come over, and TJ would meet me at the corner. And the reason why TJ would meet me at the corner is because he was from Bluff Creek. And as long as I walked down Bluff Creek with TJ, I had no problems. I didn't have nothing to worry about. Why? Because it was his block. It was his neighborhood. And even though he wasn't gang affiliate, because I was with him, I got a pass. When I think about this, I think about what David writes within this text. And he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, if I was to walk down Bluff Creek by myself without TJ, there may have been an element of fear in my life. But anytime I had TJ with me, I was totally fine. I was totally fine because I knew that who was with me was covering with me. I didn't, I didn't have to worry about the darkness that was surrounded around me. I didn't worry about who was going to come after me because I had a covering. I had somebody that says, listen, this is my boy. He's down with me. He's riding with me. He's okay. Leave him alone. It gave me a pass. Today, I want to talk to you about establishing a path through life when you're dealing with the valley of death. Now, many times preachers talk about this text and we say, listen, this text David is writing and he's talking about a natural death. Even though I'm preparing to die, it doesn't matter. I know that God is with me. I don't have to fear death. And I believe that and I understand that and I, and I will represent that in the text today. But today for the living, today for the living, for those who are sitting here breathing, for those who continue to have to go through life, I want to talk to you about not experiencing a natural death, but I want to talk to you about how do you handle life when you're dealing with an emotional or, 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 or element of spiritual death within your life that seems to want to, to break you down. How do you handle life when you're walking through the shadow of death when your relationship? How do you handle life when you're walking through the shadow of death on your job? How do you handle life and overcome these obstacles? David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. One of the first things I want to lift up to you today and leave with you today that because our Father is a protector, this is point number one, write it down, take a picture. It simply says this, I do not need to panic in the sight of a problem. I want you to understand that because my Father is a protector, I don't have to panic at the sight of a problem. Many times, the reason why many of us fail is because when we see an issue, we panic. Bills come in and you don't have enough money to pay them, we panic. Husband ain't acting like you want him to act, we panic. Wife ain't texting back when, she, when you didn't text her, you wonder what she did, we panic. Children ain't behaving in the school, we panic. Church ain't doing what we wanted to do. We panic. Instantly, when we see a problem, it is our natural defense to panic. Why? Because we go into what we call, thank you, Holy Spirit, self-defense mode. We go into self-defense mode, and the reason why we go into self-defense mode is because we think 
that we have to defend ourselves. When the reality is, no matter what it is that you're going through, you don't have to defend yourself. Why? Because the Bible says the Lord will fight your battle. David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. How do we reach this point of understanding that we don't have to panic when we encounter problems within our lives? We don't have to question if we're going to continue to be faithful and tired just because our checks got a little shorter. We, we, don't have to, we don't have to question if I'm going to stay in this marriage or not stay in this marriage just because we have one argument. We don't have to question our stability in life if we should continue to continue to push on and fight just because one thing doesn't work out the way we want it to. How do we reach a point where we begin to stop panicking in the face of the problem? I believe we have to come to understand that we don't panic at the sight of a problem because what we're looking at as a problem really isn't a problem. I, I want to make sure that you grasp the concept of this. I, see, sometimes we read the Bible too fast and we miss some things. I want to slow it down for you. What David says in Psalms 23, verse 4, put it on the screen for me if you don't mind. He says these simple words here. He says, even though I walk. Let's stop there. He walks. He doesn't run. He walks. He's not stressed. He's not panicking. David is walking. Now, I want, to, I want you to catch this. Where is David walking? Through the valley of what? The shadow of death. I think somebody might have missed that. David was not walking through the valley of death. David was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. See, y'all don't understand. Y'all don't understand. Now, I would never fight Mike Tyson. I, I don't care how old he is. It does not make me any difference. I'm not getting in the ring with Iron Mike. It's not going down. But you could pay me a million dollars to box his shadow. I would fight Mike Tyson's shadow any day and win. Hit him with a right, stroke him with a left. Up, my shadow versus his shadow, woo! It's going down. Why? Mike Tyson could do real damage to me, but his shadow can't do nothing to me. I, I need you to understand something. They, what he's actually encountering, what he's actually seeing, what David is running into, David is walking through only the shadow of death. It's a couple of things I thought about when I thought about the shadow of death. That means that if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, maybe the, the shadow, if the shadow is that big, then death is a little, maybe a little bit bigger. I don't have to fight death. Why? Because God has already fought death for me. The only thing that I'm looking at is the remnant of what death was. Many of us, oh, this is good. Many of us continue to panic in the face of the problem, but what we realize, uh, when we realize it, the truth is, the only thing that we're looking at is the shadow. You're looking at the shadow of a failed marriage. You're looking at the shadow of financial struggles. 
You're looking at the shadow of, of being stressed about grace. You're looking at the shadow. Why? Because the only thing that darkness can do is provide a shadow. The only thing that darkness can do is provide something that says, listen, if, you, if I can just take your focus off. And the minute we see the shadow, we run. This is why we fail. This is why we struggle. It's because we are afraid of the, the shadows. We're afraid of the shadow of death. We have never even came toe-to-toe -to -toe with death. But we're afraid of the shadow of death. David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not only will he fear no evil because it's simply just a shadow, but he says the reason I will fear no evil is because you are with me. When I walked down Bluff Creek, I didn't have to worry about anything as long as TJ was with me. There was a time where TJ couldn't meet me on the corner because his mom made him stay at the house, his little brother. And so what I would have to do is I would have to take back roads down alleys on my little huffy trying to hurry up and get to TJ's house because I knew that TJ's house provided safety. The reason why many of us are going through life the reason why many of us are struggling with life is because we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death without God. The text says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But it, you forget that it says at the end, for you are with me. I, I need to help somebody today because whatever you're struggling with, the only reason you're struggling with it is because you're trying to do it by yourself. Your marriage is struggling because you're trying to fix it yourself. Your finances is struggling because you're trying to fix it yourself. Your health is struggling because you're trying to fix it yourself. And, and the reality is that self does have an element of responsibility, but the biggest responsibility of self is to trust and rely on God. God cannot protect you if you don't give him the opportunity to do so. I, I heard this joke one day that uh, I don't know if it may have been on a movie. It may have been in re real life. This big old gangster, this thug, he was, he was, he was real hard. He hated 5-0. He hated the cops. He wasn't going to call the cops for nothing. It was just, it was all, he was always against the police. The minute he got shot, the first thing he did was call 911. The reason why he died at 911 because he needed somebody to help him. He needed somebody to protect him. Now imagine if he would have lived a lifestyle the whole time that says I don't have to die 911. Yes, I know we're living in a time where our black boys and black girls are getting misabused. Least don't. I'm not going to act like I'm blind to that, but the reality is that there's some things that we can do to keep ourselves out of certain situations. I, I know that this is a, a tough time, but the reality is that this one individual, the reason why he called 911 is because he put himself in a predicament where he needed help. See, it's amazing how, how awesome God is when we really call on him. 
It's amazing how when life is really rough and we finally realize that mama can't help us, daddy can't help us, nobody else can help us. It's amazing how awesome life is that when we really say unto God, God, I need you. And the crazy thing is that every time we do it, he shows up right on time. But why, if we know that God works, why don't we let him work? Why don't we allow him to work? Why don't we allow him to be the protector that he desires to be? How foolish are we to say, God, I don't need you right now. I don't need you in my marriage. I don't need you on my job. I don't need you in none of my relationships. I'm going to figure this out on my own. And the minute we try, we fail. I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired of failing in life. I, I, I'm, I'm tired of making mistakes that I don't have to make anymore. I, I'm, I'm tired of the answers. I'm tired of thinking that I can do it all by myself. The reality is I cannot do anything without God. And the sooner we come to this reality, the sooner we come to this understanding, then the truth of the matter is that we can live and we can go through life without fear, just as David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So today we come to understand that, that I know that my father is a protector because of the fact that I don't have to panic. In the face of problems. The second principle that I want to teach you on today as we prepare to wrap up is that I know that because my father is a protector, I have comfort in the midst of chaos. I want to make sure that you get to this point of understanding that because God is a protector, that you have comfort in the midst of chaos. The reality is that David had a valley that he had to walk through. There was a low place in his life that he had to go through. All of us are going to have low places in our life that we have to go through. And the reality is as we go through these low places in our lives, everything is not going to be peaches and cream. I want to make sure I put this cherry on top today because I don't want to encourage you and you leave here and say, just because I got God, I ain't got to go through nothing because the reality is Whoever tells you that story is a lie. Uh, if that was the case, God wouldn't say, for those who suffer with me shall reign with me. Uh, we all have to go through something at some point in time in our lives. And, and as we go through these valleys, as we go through these low places, the greatest thing that we could have is a spirit of comfort, as a spirit of saying that, you know what, everything is going to be okay even in the midst of the chaos. I, I need somebody to understand this today. So what your relationship seems that it's up on the brink of breaking. It does not mean or give you a reason that you should stop praising God. So what you're struggling financially right now. It does not mean that I take my eyes off God. The reality is the only comfort that we have as believers is focusing on God. David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Then he says this, your rod and your staff, 
They comfort me. Oh, this is going to be good. Your rod and your staff comfort me. For, for many of y'all city folks, ain't never seen a, she a sheep a day in your life. Uh, a, a shepherd's greatest tools, the only two tools that he really needs is his rod and his staff. Uh, many of you may get the staff confused with the rod. The rod is usually a, a smaller type club. And, and I want to talk to you about this rod and how this rod is comfort for the believer. Because what we come to understand about this rod, this shorter type club, what we know that he uses this rod for, he uses this rod to defend and reprimand. I need you to catch this on today. Uh, he uses this rod to defend and reprimand his sheep. Now, if God is your shepherd, you want him to be able to defend you in some way, form, or fact. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want to make sure you understand this. He uses this rod to defend and reprimand. Now catch this. The same thing that he uses to fend off the devil against you is the same thing that he uses to keep you in line. What is that thing? The word of God is his rod. He uses this rod to defend the believers. I don't think y'all understand this because <laughs> listen, everybody wants whoever they look up to, to defend them, but they never want them to get on them. This is why we fail. This is why we fail. This is why we fail. Uh, Madison, come here, princess, quickly. Come here, princess. Isaiah, come here. Come on, come on, quickly. These are my babies. These are my boos. I love them to death. Come on, you get on one side so people can see you on the There you go. This one here? She ain't innocent by no nature. She's sneaky. She do everything she could possibly do to this young man. And he tries to hold it in. He tries to hold it in. But every once in a while, he has to try to unleash the beast. But the problem is that when she does something to him, when she does something to him, I run to his defense. And there's something about his check. You better leave me alone. It, and she, he just feels so good about it. My daddy is defending me. You better leave me alone. The other day, he does something that I don't like. He, he gets all up in Madison's face to... Because you know what he thinks now that daddy defends him, he can defend himself. And so he, he gets all up in his face, all up in his face about a problem. And then next thing you know, the same voice, the same, same that I used to defend him, now I'm defending up to the first thing. Boy, you better get up out of my face. The first thing is now I have to reprimand him for what he's done wrong. I have to correct him for what he's done wrong. It, this is where many of us fail as believers. This is where many of us struggle as believers is because of the simple fact that we want God to defend us, but we don't want God to reprimand us. My daddy used to say it like this, what's good for the goose 
is good for the gander. The reality is that all God is trying to do is make the world balanced, to put things into perspective. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have favor. But the reality is just because God begins to defend you, don't give you a right to defend yourself. He says, listen, I'm going to use this, this rod to fend off those against you, Maddie. But if you get out of line, I'm going to use this same rod on you. If you step outside of your boundaries, go grab your seats. I'm going to use this same rod on you. The reason why this, this just resonates so much with me is because of the simple fact that as believers, we're so quick to use the word on somebody else. But we don't want God to use the word on us. Uh, we're so quick to tell people what well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. But the minute we step outside of our element and do what we want to do, and then God shows us, because the thing is, people ain't going to come to us. God going to get us in our own private time. And he going to bring it back to your remembrance. This is why you're going through what you're going through. Nobody else has to know, but between me and you, father to child, I need you to understand that the reason why this is wrong is because of the reason why this is struggling for you right now and stressful, rather you don't have comfort in the midst of your chaos, is simply because of the fact somewhere you went astray. Now I have to reprimand you. I have to put you back in place. Many of us don't want to deal with that, that rod. And as a result of it, this is why we don't allow God to be our father. We want a one-sided relationship with God. God, you just do what I say. When that's not at all how this thing works. You want a good relationship. Can I help you remember? Thank you, Jesus. Can I help you remember something? The only thing that was good was that which was created by God in the beginning in Genesis. And every time he created something, what did he say? It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It was not until man got their hands on things that it became bad. Oh, I just want to hurt somebody right now. I'm sorry. I meant help somebody. I, I want to make sure that you understand this simply as this. It's not going to be good until you put God in it. No relationship that you have is going to be good until you put God in. There will always be problems until you put God in it. And the reality is, and this is where I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. I might leave, lose somebody today. If you don't want to put God in it, quit asking for good. Settle for what you got. Don't ask for a perfect relationship because you're not going to put God in it. Don't ask for good finances because you're, you're not going to put God in it. Don't ask for good children. You won't even put God in their lives. Stop looking for good if you're not looking for God. Your rod and your staff 
comforts me. I find pleasure in being reprimanded by God. Why? My daddy used to say it, and I'm sure some of y'all other parents used to say it when they got ready to whoop you. Uh, listen, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, but I do this. Why? Because I love you. I do it because I, I love you. We might not have believed that and understood that at the time. And they might have been angry and frustrated because as they were whooping all upside our heads and, and not controlled, they might have been a little bit. But somewhere deep down inside, they did it because they, they loved us. They did it because they love us. God does it because he loves you. God, why is it that I can come to church and worship you and serve you, God? But when I go home and live with my boyfriend, my relationship ain't right. Well, maybe it's because when you come to church and love him and serve him, you actually are who you're supposed to be. But when you go home with your boyfriend, you are stepping outside of the will of God. You are walking through the valley of the shadow of death without God. So many times we are failing. Because we're going through valleys and we're leaving our guide. We're leaving our guide. And as a result of us leaving our guide, we put ourselves in a position where we get lost, we feel alone. we're trapped inside of this darkness. He says, your rod and your staff comforts me. As I close the staff, when I talk about the staff, which is this tool that we most know the shepherd to have, it's the long with the hook at the end. And the purpose of this staff is to lead and guide the sheep. Every once in a while, a sheep wants to go astray, and so the shepherd extends his staff to bring them closer. So when David says that your rod and your staff comfort me, David says because of the way you defend me, because of the way you correct me, and because of the way you lead me, I find comfort in you, Father. I find comfort in you. I, I will surrender and I will submit unto you because of the way you defend me, because of the way you correct me, and because of the way you lead me. I find comfort. When we see God, when we begin to see God as a protector, when we begin to see our Father as a protector, we should be able to see that our God has the ability to, our Father has the ability to defend us, to correct us, and to lead us. If you're here to...